This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. This podcast is probably not going to be a crowd placer because I wanted to do an episode on um, some unpopular baby advice some baby things that people love to use but might not be so ergonomic and great for their development. Um, I usually give this advice once in the office for my postpartum moms that I have coming in or if they brought their babies in and it's just, you know, I want you to be aware of it. I'm not saying you have to do it. Nothing terrible is going to happen. If you don't take this advice, it's just, I want it to make people aware of maybe some of the, um, biomechanical implications of doing stuff that we don't even think about. We just do it because everyone does it and they give it to us on our baby showers and we're like, Oh sure. This seems convenient, but there might be some stuff behind it that's not the best for baby's development. So the first thing is not super unpopular. Um, it would be avoiding fragrances. So, you know, you got your baby um, detergent, which is usually scent free. So that's great. But we have fragrances in their soaps and their bath wash and you know, if you're wearing scented stuff or um, if you use a lot of Febreze or those plug-in things, any type of fragrance is, uh, is going to affect their super sensitive skin and it's not great for your endocrine system. So usually for my prenatal patients, I also suggest they stop using the um, perfumes that aren't essential oil based or all the, the spritzy stuff you put in your house. And truly, I mean, I used to use a ton of that stuff as well. And when I got pregnant with my daughter, I decided to get on the natural bandwagon and I went crazy. I didn't, I used special nail polish that had less chemicals. I, um, you know, used hippie deodorant. I, use lotions that are that don't have any scents in them or only essential oil oils to them same with anything that I put on my skin your skin is your biggest organ if you're putting chemicals on your skin it's sucking into your system and you're going to be processing that same thing with babies do not put any lotions on them that have anything in them except stuff you know what the words mean or definitely no sense. <clears throat> sense can be super irritating irritating to baby skin. So I always on um, my kids use the tallow butter. I'll link it below grass fed beauty gal. I love the emu and tallow mix. 
It has no scents, not even essential oils, because essential oils, you know, they're natural. And that's, to me, a great option for avoiding the chemical scents for myself, because I still want to smell nice. But for a baby, babies smell good on their own. You don't have to slather them in scented stuff. So I use the emu cream on diaper rash, baby acne, cradle cap, their whole body. Um, the other thing for, you know, for babies that I did that is probably counterintuitive to lots of people is I don't bathe them very much. Babies don't really get dirty. They don't do much. So using like a wet Norwax rag or microfiber cloth to sponge them off if they spit up on themselves or whatever. You really don't need to bathe your baby every day at, at all. I would say maybe once a week. And even, you, you know, it's just not necessary. And especially if you're using soap, oh, it's going to strip their little oils off of them. And then they are going to have dryness and irritation and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think I use soap on Genevieve until she was over a year old. I would use the Norwex rags and I didn't use shampoo or anything. I mean, they've got fuzz on their head. They don't need shampoo. Um, and you don't want to strip their natural oils. Those are meant to protect them. And so I know everyone wants their kid to smell like Johnson and Johnson soap, but it's not necessarily the best thing for them. So you want to keep the, preserve their oils and that kind of stuff and don't go bathing crazy. They don't need baths really that much. I know I'm going to get crucified <laughs> for this, but, uh, I found that my kids had minimal skin issues. Um, I have learned it in different peds courses that I've taken through the ICPA, which is like the chiropractic pediatric oversight um, foundation that I take most of my pediatric courses through. So that's kind of the guidance that I've gotten from it. And actually our pediatrician that I use for my kids, she's, I don't know how old Dr. Raj is, but she is an older practitioner, practices on her own, and she is so strict about do not use any scents ever on detergents, soaps, lotions, anything. And she doesn't want you to bathe your kid very often. So that's my own pediatrician. She's an older um, practitioner from India. Um, she's an MD. Um, so she kind of agrees with my method and she loves the tallow and emu balm herself. I introduced her to it because it literally doesn't have any weird word on the back of it. It says tallow and emu oil. And that is it. Um, the next thing with that, the next advice that people don't love to hear is because people love to put cute little shoes on their babies, but that is not great for your baby's feet. You don't want to put your baby's feet in little foot coffins. Think of their little tiny feet just like their hands. So they're exploring the world with their hands and every different texture that they touch with their hands is sending their brain awesome new information and new exciting info helps 
make different little furrows and grooves in their brain, the same amount of um, receptors in their hands are in their feet. So if you dull their feet with hooded pajamas and socks and stiff shoes, you're going to be dulling all of that great info about the new interesting world around them. So I didn't ever really love footed pajamas and uh, because I wanted the baby, my babies to feel lots of different textures, lots of different stuff. And I definitely didn't put them in hard shoes so they could walk. I definitely, I didn't put them in shoes until they could walk. Um, and I didn't want them to learn to walk with shoes on because I wanted them to get all the great neuro input of walking with bare feet. And then, you know, when it's time to go, um, when it's cold or rough surfaces, I wanted to use something with a super soft, and I'm talking like a ballet slipper soft sole. So I used a lot of the freshly picked moccasins that were um, just a piece of leather on the bottom of their foot just to keep them from cutting their feet on something random. Um, and it had they have a really wide toe box. If you look at a baby foot and it's very chubby and wide and the toes splay out, you know, you know how baby's toes splay out and it's all wide and spread. That's how our feet are supposed to look. <laughs> our feet only change shape into the squish-toed look because of the shoes that we wear. It's easy to train your foot to squish up like that. And I, you know, it's it's hard reversing that. You can. I have patients that have gotten really into minimalist footwear with the really wide toe box. They do lots of mobility exercises to bring back that neurologic input and awareness to their feet. But it's a slow, hard process. And if you can just avoid that in the first place by keeping your kids barefoot and in minimalist shoes and footwear with really wide toe boxes, why not start there? Um, so I started them off in really soft moccasins whenever they weren't barefoot. And then um, I would put them in Vivo barefoot shoes after that. So they're super pricey, but they do have different minimalist footwear Facebook groups and that kind of stuff where you can get uh, used um, shoes like that. Zero uh, is another brand that also makes some kids stuff. Um, but the Vivo ones make really small kid shoes too. So I like that. And I'll link that below. That's what I wear for athletic shoes a lot. Um, so they are super flexible sole. Not as flexible as a piece of leather, but super flexible comparatively speaking. And they have a really wide toe box because we don't want to squish our little baby's toes together. Um, so I know that's, that's a bummer because they make tons of cute little shoes that you stuff your infant's feet into. But not great for neurologic input. Um, that's a bummer for people. <laughs> but the next would be keeping them in the infant car seat carriers for long periods of time. Um, 
with my daughter. She was born in December. So I used one for her throughout the snowy period because um, you can't have bulky coats on babies in a car seat. It's not safe. So, you know, it's hard to have them warm enough to get them to and from the car without being able to wear a coat. So I kept her in that little carrying infant case um, for four months. So once winter was over, we upgraded her to the kind of car seat that is rear facing, but doesn't leave your car. And now why would you do that? It's not that it's safer or anything like that. But the tendency is that babies like being snuggled into the car seat because it's similar to your womb. It's all, you know, compact and um, whatnot. So the, the, the really easy thing for me and why I took her out of it was that it's you're exhausted, you're tired, and they like it in there, and you just leave them in there for a long period of time. You know, you drive maybe an hour to go do errands. You do your errands. You put the seat in a cart or a stroller all these strollers are made to adapt and keep that kind of a car seat in it so I'm like how many hours is your kid spending in that thing and then you take them out and drive them home so how many hours throughout the day is your kid confined into that um compact infant car seat it might be way more than you think because it's tempting to let them sleep in it while you go out to dinner or whatever. Um, now, why would that be a problem? The problem there is that it doesn't allow, it restricts them and it doesn't allow for good movement and that kind of thing. We want them to be lying on their back essentially so that they can learn how to lift their legs up on their own, learn how to lift their arms up learn how to breathe and engage their diaphragm and their core. Those are all the principles of dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, which is that rehab technique that I use in my office and I use in my videos. Um, proper moving from one milestone to the next is by not being confined like that and not being propped into positions you're not physiologically ready for. And having the baby naturally go from the lying on the ground to br just breathing over and over and over again, getting their diaphragm um, working really well as the keystone of their core. And then they're able to lift their arms up, lift their legs up and roll, rock side to side, roll onto one side, roll onto their stomach, roll back. That's all those things don't happen if you're, restricted and confined for long periods of time in that little infant carrier seat. So, and it's so tempting to let them stay in there for long periods of time because they're compliant when they, when they're in there. Um, so for myself, I kept my daughter in there when she was until the snow stopped. And then for my son, he was born in July and we only used his for about a month. Um, because he was a big boy, <laughs> But I see patients that have their kids in there, you know, up until a long time, like a year old or whatever. And you might be have more willpower than I do and are able to just take them out of it and not keep them in there for a long periods of time. But that makes you a better uh, 
more self-disciplined parent than myself because um, it was too tempting for me to let them just sleep in there and since they were so quiet and calm and good. But the next thing would be the walkers. And those are those things that you put your kid in and their feet drop down and they're propped up so they can do things because they want to see stuff. It's more interesting. It's more exciting to be in a walker. Um, and then they like scoop themselves around and they can move around to things. That is putting the cart before the horse. So this is very similar to the baby bumbo things. Those are those little seats that people stick their babies in before they can sit on their own. They stick them in these things so that they're sitting upright um, with all gravity and force coming down onto their tailbone and all that pressure on their spine without their core being strong enough to get there or stay there on their own. It's not good for the development and the core function. Um, so put it, that would be, again, putting your baby into a physiologic position before they can get there themselves. So ideally, you never put your kid into a contraption that puts them into a position that they can't do on their own, which is like, you know, we do that all, society does that all the time. I did that a little bit with my daughter until I took more peds courses. And I was like, oh, why is <laughs> All the things that make our life easier and more convenient, it's like, well, maybe that's not the best. Um, I had a, um, like a bouncer thing that I would put the kids in when I would shower or get ready or those kind of things. But I tried to limit it to only when I needed them to be occupied for a bit of time. I wouldn't leave them in there for long periods of time because... Essentially, you want to leave them on the ground. I mean, you want to hold them and cuddle them and bond with them and all those. But for movement purposes, you want to leave them flat on the ground and then let them work their little bodies out until they can roll to the side, roll onto their stomach, roll onto their, um, you know, propped up into a little like uh, pre-prepping crawl position. So they shouldn't be able to sit by themselves before they can roll over back and forth and then push themselves back into that little haunch position into sitting. So we don't want to jump forward into sitting um, before we're ready with our core musculature. And then the walkers, we do not want our babies to skip crawling. Crawling is so important for brain development, like when you hear someone get excited because their kid is going to walk before they crawl, no. You want your kid to crawl for a long period of time because it helps with verbal development. It helps with um, that cross-crawl pattern. One side to the other helps us connect one side of the brain to the other. It's super important for development. Crawling is a must. So we don't want to skip that. So walkers and pulling themselves up onto the couch and like shuffling along the side, you want to shoo them away from the couch. You want them to crawl until they can scoot back into like a really low squat and then they can 
crawl. You don't want to hold their hands and have them walk with you because it's cute. It's cute, but it's not fundamentally good for their development. And I know that's a bummer. I had to tell multiple babysitters, please don't do that with my kids. I want them to hit their milestones in the right order because that's also important. I don't really care how quickly a baby meets different milestones. What I care about is do they meet them in the right order because that is more important. So that is pretty much my unpopular advice. So every time I go to a baby shower and I see the bumbo and the swing and the walker and the bouncer, I'm like, oh, I hope you only use that very sparingly because it's not the best. It's a convenience thing. It's more for us than it is for them because they'll, they'll be ticked. And they'll be angry when they're laying on the ground and they can't do the things they want to, to be able to see the cool stuff. But that's where they get their drive. That's where they get the motivation to learn those new skills is by being frustrated that they can't see what they want to see. And if you give it to them on a silver platter without making them have to work for it, why would they? Um, It's just like anybody. Um, So just... My two cents. If you have any questions, uh, there's a great article in one of the ICPA um, publications. Uh, it was a few years ago done by Dr. Lindsay Mama, who is a DNS practitioner, and she wrote up a great, more eloquently written article than I would write about that developmental progression that we see in DNS and how it mirrors what babies do and why we want to avoid those walkers, bouncers, swings, bumbos. So. If you have any questions, let me know. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.